0: Morning. I, I don't usually start with a joke, um, but I saw this this week and uh, it made me chuckle so much as I was driving along. Uh, I thought I had to share it with you. Um, so I'm really sorry. I just apologise in advance for that. Um, the joke is this. I've been trying to think of a new password for my computer and I thought of beef stew, but the IT department told me it wasn't strong enough. Anyway, made me made me chuckle. Um, I better pray, had I, Lord, take these words and help us to see you really clearly, in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, it's great to have you here, whether you are a regular or whether you're visiting us, it's really good to have you here. Um, I've only been here uh, almost, just over a year, so it's, I kind of feel like we're finding our feet, but I've been a Christian for a long time. Um, since about four years old. When I was a teenager I had this kind of wrestle of well this Christian faith is great but actually what difference does it make to be a Christian and I was already convinced as a teenager although there were some ups and downs and bumps afterwards I was already convinced that it was true. As a young man, I'd even kind of got hold of a book about other faiths and kind of other world religions or no faith, and i compared and contrasted, and I was convinced, as I still am today, that Jesus is the only way. It's not a pick-and-mix thing. Jesus is the only way. I was also convinced, as I still am, that the world has been created and that it's not an accident. And that's not a comment as to how long it may or may not have taken. But I believe that it's been created. And I know these things and I still do. Because I have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. But the environment that I grew up in was really safe and wonderful and amazing. A a fantastic Christian home. But because of it, I had this question. What difference... Does following Jesus actually make? And it seemed to me that this was the point of contention in our family home. The contention seemed to be, if we run out of milk on a Sunday, the corner shop is now open on a Sunday, are we allowed to go to the corner shop and buy the milk? Some of you will have remembered this conversation when Sunday trading laws changed and suddenly this was a big deal. Is that the only difference that our Christian faith would make? Whether or not you and I happen to bump into each other in Tesco's Express on a Sunday morning and you might well bump into me and i bumped into plenty of you. But actually there was something else that was bigger that was going on. I didn't see it at the time, but my parents were struggling with something much, much bigger in terms of the difference that following Jesus made to them. And the difference was this. They were both medics and they were wrestling with the theology and practice of caring for people at the end of their lives. In a culture that was moving towards people dying with dignity, and that battle is still going on, they were on the leading edge of the hospice movement, declaring aloud that life is not disposable, and that there is meaning and richness to be had, even at the end, even when it's tough, even when things are painful. You can discover the goodness of God in all of those things. And I was wondering about milk. (laughs) The things that you learn as you grow older. What dad and mum were doing was leaving footprints of grace throughout the land that they were walking. Footprints of the graciousness of God even at the end of life even at the darkest times, declaring that there was still life to be had. And you know, although this country is in a little bit of a muddle at the moment, there are still footprints of God's grace all over this land. Every school, every hospital, the charities that care for the marginalized and the pushed out. And in fact, although the church has had an incredibly bad press over a couple of decades at least, or more, the reality is this. As the government stops caring because it thinks it can't afford the bill, it's the church that steps in. It's the church that steps in and runs the food banks. It's the church that steps in and cares for those who are struggling with mental health who are struggling at the end of life and those organisations are filled with Christians whether they're at the leading edge of them or whether they're supporting and you know what? it's funny isn't it? the media doesn't tell the story much but it is starting to tell the story now actually the Church of England has not been very good at its press and it's getting better that helps too when you just feed them a story but you know, there's something else that is growing up alongside it for now. Which might well be another footprint of grace along this for this country. You see, as followers of Jesus, I really do think that we have got something to say and something to offer. We live in a world that is increasingly anxious and worried and alone. You know, it's a place where the media is filled with fear. And where if we go and fill ourselves with an endless search for dopamine at the bottom of Facebook, actually all it does is induce anxiety. You know, I think we've got something to say about that. And it's beyond the morality of whether or not we buy milk on a Sunday which incidentally you might want to challenge me on Uh, and I think you'd be right but we'll probably still go and buy milk on a Sunday (sighs) maybe maybe there are other places where we can leave footprints of grace on this world you know the Bible has an awful lot to say about mental health. Let me just give you a little flavor of some of them. Matthew chapter 6. If you want me to send you all these verses, I can. They're, they're too fast even to put up on the screen. Do not worry. Matthew chapter 6, verse 25. Do not be anxious. Philippians 4, verse 6. But it's not just a question of do not. Actually, the Bible gives us much more than that. It gives us the how-to's. And the peace of God that passes all understanding will guard your heart, your emotions, and your mind, your thinking. Philippians 4 verse 7. And Jesus, as he's preparing to depart the world, says to his disciples, peace be with you. He says it, but he also gifts it. Receive the peace of Christ and the mind of Christ this is what we're supposed to have not a kind of mind that's going off all over the place but the mind of Christ 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 16 and the text for today that we're to be transformed by the renewing of our minds suddenly it seems like there's this thing going on in the world where the world is struggling with something in terms of mental health and well-being actually we might have something to say we might be quite good at this Jesus might be quite good at this. I think he is. So let's just kind of try and unpack a little bit of Romans chapter 12. And uh, if you're an expert in this, I'm clearly not going to do this justice. Because uh, I've only got about another 10-15 minutes. But I'll try. Um, Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. It starts with a Therefore. And wherever there's a therefore, you need to know what the therefore is there for. And the therefore is therefore, because Paul has just unpacked in the first 11 chapters his understanding of the gospel. His understanding of the good news of Jesus Christ. So let me give you the summary and it really will be a poor reflection. Uh, so if this is not theologically astute enough for you, well, I've only got a couple of minutes. Um, yeah, you can't summarize Paul this quickly. Uh, at the beginning of Romans, Paul outlines uh, the solution, uh, the problem rather. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Romans chapter three, verse 23. He then talks about the solution about God's abundant provision of grace. And the gift of righteousness through the life in one man, Jesus Christ. Romans 5 verse 17. He goes on to talk about life in the power of the Spirit. That battle between the flesh and the Spirit. And he talks about everyone being in the same boat, both Jews and Gentiles. And he ends with this amazing uh, doxology, it's titled in the NIV. Oh, the depths, the riches, the wisdom of the knowledge of God. How unsearchable his judgments, his paths are beyond tracing out. Who has known the mind of the Lord? Or who has been his counselor? Who has ever given to God that God should repay him? For through him, for from him and through him and for him are all things. To him be glory forever. Amen. Paul finishes. His explanation of the gospel. Therefore. Therefore. In view of God's mercy. Therefore. What are you going to do in response to what you've heard? What are you going to do in response to the good news of Jesus Christ? It's the turning point of his letter. There is no other way than that of Jesus Christ. And Paul's understanding is this, is that we are to offer ourselves the fullness of who we are as living sacrifices. That is an image that is too big to try and explain now, but if, you're, uh, if, you, if you remember the Ark of the Covenant, uh, the Ark of the Covenant has got this lid. It's this box that the Jewish people used to carry around with them. It's got this, and it had the Ten Commandments in it and that kind of stuff. And it's got this lid, and the lid is called the Mercy Seat, and it's where the sacrifices were made. To be a living sacrifice is to go right to that place, that place where the sacrifices were made to be go, to go to be willing to take nothing with us to surrender it all and yet in that place what we find is not judgment but mercy not judgment but mercy not shame but righteousness not defeat and despair but life in all its fullness I don't know how you understand faith, but, but I think faith is is binary. You know, it's either a zero or a one. It's like a light switch. Faith is either on or off. You know, when you get on a plane, you can't get a bit on the plane. You're either on the plane and going, or you're clinging onto to the undercarriage, which is not a good way to ride. You're going to get cold. It's, it's not It's not the right temperature up there. You're either on the plane or you're off the plane. It's a zero or a one. It's like that with faith. You see, the way that we're supposed to respond is by being living sacrifice. You can't be a bit of a living sacrifice. If you're going to be a living sacrifice, what you have to do is say, okay, Lord, here's the whole of me. I give myself over to you completely. (sighs) Ah, there's grace. Ah, there's mercy. In view of God's mercy, we're to offer ourselves as living sacrifices, all or nothing. And he makes us worthy and new creates us again and again. Paul says that this is our true and proper worship. You know, following Jesus is, is, you know, I love Sunday. It's great. We, you know, there's not, many, there's not many other communities in the world, frankly, where you get to come and meet. Just look around you. This a little, lovely, eclectic group of people. Come on, look around. Where, where, where are the other places on the planet where, where you actually get to connect with people that are two or three generations above or below you? But where, where, do you, where do you get to connect with? You know, I, I don't know what your income bracket is. I, I deliberately kind of hide from all that kind of stuff because I'm here to challenge every single one of us, including me. But the income, you know, we, we get to sit alongside the, the folks that are, that are in the highest income bracket and the folks that have nothing, because we're all following Jesus, and, and, and in Him we just we're one family together. One, there's, I, I don't know of any. So Sundays is amazing. I'm not knocking Sundays, but Sundays is not it. Following Jesus is about the whole of our life. What, hap, what it matters how you treat people when you're at work. It matters whether or not we cut people up on the motorway. It matters. It's not about an hour on a Sunday, although I love Sundays. Do not conform to the pattern of this world. Romans begins, you know, the opening chapter of Romans is is a pretty hard read in our culture. It's a pretty tough read. If you haven't read it, I encourage you to go back and read the opening couple of chapters of Romans. It's a hard read. It describes a place where truth has been suppressed. And people live for themselves rather than God. But you know what? I think it's a pretty accurate reflection of what's going on in our world. And we're not to conform to that. Instead we're supposed to be transformed. To be transformed by the renewing of our minds. Continual transformation. Continual renewing. How on earth are we supposed to be transformed by the renewing of your mind? You know, I pick up little verses like this, and I kind of quite quickly—I don't know about you—I kind of go to hard work. Ha! Huh, Jesus has given me something to do. How can I set about doing it? I've got to have a have got to have this like renewed mind. I'm going to be very focused on having a renewed mind. That's not it. So I got Tim to read the other passage. The way that we are transformed in terms of Jesus is not by us doing the hard work it's about us reflecting or having our gaze upon him and he does the work in us that's our job be wholly focused as a living sacrifice on him as we gaze upon his grace and mercy as we walk in step with him he transforms us you know, you can you can fight to have a renewed mind. You can be incredibly disciplined and all the rest of it. And I do encourage you to be those things. Or you can wonder and be rested. You can fight and be exhausted or you can wonder and be rested. The way to having a transformed mind and life is by focusing on following the person of Jesus Christ. And Paul ends with this. The result is amazing. That we can know what God's will is. His good, pleasing and perfect will. That we know what to do. I mean, not necessarily about the big stuff. I haven't got the answer for Brexit. If you have, if you could pipe up, that would be great. Um, uh, But actually we know what God's heart is for people. We know what his heart is for the things that we look at on the web you know when you look at that stuff whether it's good or bad you know what God's heart is for it you know what God's heart is what his will is for how we're to treat one another C.S. Lewis describes it as a justification for the very existence of God himself That actually, we have a consciousness. We are conscious of what is right and what is wrong. But that can get switched off in us, or dulled. And as we spend more time following Jesus, walking in step with him, so our minds are renewed. So, Mark, what are we going to do with all of this? I think, you know... Nice stuff, Mark, but what, so what? What difference does it make? You know, it's the pint of milk question. You know, I think this is really good news for what's going on in our world where people are struggling with mental health, where they're struggling to know what to think and what to do. And actually this way of being seems so countercultural. You know, a lot of the world's solutions are about me fixing this. If only I can be still enough, if only I can do this, then everything will be calmer. Pun intended. But you see, what we're dealing with in the ideas in the New Testament is, is not just a set of philosophies, it's not just a, it's not a set of ideas. This is something to be lived and walked out by people who are living sacrifices, giving themselves over. And you see, when you and I are doing that, when we're willing to digest the things that Jesus has given for us to do, then suddenly we become good news to those around us. We become carriers of peace. You see, people don't need just another idea. They need you and me living this stuff out. That's why at the start of this term, I encouraged you, I'm going to keep on encouraging you. And in fact, I need to nobble some of the other preachers to make sure that they come up with this little list at every talk. Not every talk, but... I you into five habits. To pray, to read, to join a small group, a home group, to commit to coming to a particular service so that you're known, even if you drop into the others sometimes. And to be living generously beyond yourself seeing others. Those, those things are dead simple. But what they instill in you is this habit of living a life that's pointed towards Jesus. First and foremost, we have to do this stuff. And I speak to myself too every time I speak to you. This is for us. But the overflow... The overflow, I think, is that where there's a world that is filled with fear, we can be carriers of peace. Where there's an anxious world, we can be people of prayer. Where there's a world that is centred on itself, we're the kind of people that love God and love our neighbours. And all of this is in response to Jesus Christ. It's not a self-help manual. Please don't take that away from this talk. It's not a self-help manual. It's about responding to to God's grace. I think as we live as Jesus has intended, and it's really interesting that Paul highlights something like this at the end of his Gospel. You know, in response to the good news of Jesus Christ have a new mind wow I think if we live like this with our minds being transformed and renewed what will happen is that we'll start to cover the world again with footprints of God's grace that you'll be the kind of people who others bump into and go what was going on with them how how come it is that they're going through a financial crisis in their own life and it's tough but they seem okay how come it is that they got that that diagnosis and and heard uh, about an uncertain future but they seem peaceful How, how come How come they have that infectious, irritating joy? And I don't mean unreality. I don't mean unreality. We don't don't need any more masks. I mean the joy that says, you know what, it's tough. You know what, I don't know what the answer to Brexit is. I don't know what my health diagnosis is going to be. I don't know what the financial future is. I haven't got enough money. But you know what? God's good. He's good. I might have had a row with my husband. You know what? God is good. I might know what to do with the kids. I might not have had any sleep. And you might need to work up to this one. God is good. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, that resonates with something, doesn't it? It's true. I think as we live like this, what happens is we leave footprints footprints of God's grace all over the planet. And we close with this. You know, if you're designing a university campus or something big like that, there are two ways of designing the external space. One is to uh, make a decision in advance about where all the paths are going to be and you, and you set them out in you know, nice york paving or whatever it might be. Or the other way is you don't put in any footpaths at all for the first year. And then you come back and you see where the grass is worn out. And you go, that's a good place for a path. You know, folks, you can live in such a way that people will look at where you've walked and go, there's the path. Leaving this footprint, this footpath of God's grace as you follow Jesus. A pathway for others to follow in. As we draw to a close, I'd love just to pray for us all. And um, can we have the band back up as well? And we'll lead into some worship. Will, will you stand with me? I'm just going to pray. Because it might be that that as I've been talking, actually, you know, where I've landed with this is kind of right out there in terms of getting on and living in the world and, and allowing God's peace to overflow. But actually, it might be that, that what you've been hearing this morning is I don't have that. I'm not in that place where my mind is being renewed. In fact, my mind is troubled. It might be that anxiety, and we all have anxiety from time to time. But actually, it might be as you, as I've taught you, you're aware that that anxiety for you is is overwhelming. I'd love just to pray for each and every one of us. Because this is not about being spiritual superheroes of kind of going, oh Lord, I'm following Jesus, I've got this all sorted out, I'm so peaceful. It's about real. And the reality is is it's hard. So, Holy Spirit, you are you are welcome in this place, Lord. Come and rest upon each one of us now. And Holy Spirit, I sp- I pray especially for those that are wrestling, that are trying to fight with the anxiety, fight with the worries. Fighting, it seems, with their own minds. Come and rest upon them. Holy Spirit, come and do what you need to do in each person. Receive afresh the gift of peace. Receive afresh the gift of joy, the joy of the Lord.